0: From
1: our 901 Mission Street studios, you are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle.
2: Hello, Heather Knight, and welcome to the hardest I have ever laughed on a podcast, maybe ever.
3: I think there was one part where we were both crying, we were laughing so hard.
2: Yes, this is the Daniel Handler podcast. Um, I cannot believe we've never had him on any of our various podcasts over the years up till now, and it did not disappoint. Let's set the scene. We're at (laughs) Green Apple Books, Heather.
3: Yes, um, Green Apple Books was gracious enough to host us in their philosophy nook. I had never been there. Um, It's like such a maze in there. I discover new sections all the time, but I'd never made my way to the upstairs side door down the hall philosophy nook um so we set up there with daniel handler and there's a disco ball there there's a weird painting <laughs> of an old man that nobody knows who he is um that they got at goodwill um there's just a lot of random stuff and the best part was there was all those announcements over the loudspeaker yeah <laughs> they're at yeah. the podcast kevin line one kevin <laughs>
2: I love, too, that uh, the wonderful Green Apple stuff, very accommodating, but they're bringing in this hodgepodge of furniture from, like, the 1930s to the 1970s, and setting up... At one point, they set up a desk, like, sideways that served as Daniel Handler's desk, and then he's got this old chair, and the desk is a little too small, so it looked like he (laughs) was, like... Maybe in like a first grader or second grader classroom or something like yeah. that, which he seemed to really lean into because he's such a funny guy. He's like super well-dressed sitting on this way-too-short chair with a way, way-too-short desk, and we're taking photos of him. And um, <laughs> and the fun just went from there.
3: I think he was probably our best-dressed guest ever. Don't you think?
2: I think maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rennell brought it. You know, The other people have brought it, but he maybe right up there. John Travolta, you weren't there for that one. He, he came pretty uh, sharp, <laughs> but um, a tie, if not the best. Um, I, I've made a list of things from this episode that I want on every podcast. Number one, the green apple intercom that kept interrupting <laughs> us and was a source for a lot of humor. Maybe we could just pipe the green apple intercom into the Chronicle archive, and when we go back to recording here... We can just have Green Apples announcements in the Chronicle basement.
3: Yeah. Or maybe we can pipe them into the newsroom and not take any credit for it and just see how annoyed we can make our coworkers.
2: (laughs) I like that. Um, Super long lightning round. Heather, you administered the lightning round. And it's like, (laughs) it's more than a third of the episode. And it's like, just the source of all the best humor. So listen until the end. The lightning round is excellent.
3: He admitted there was nothing lightning about this lightning round, but it was still very funny.
2: Um, yeah. And we've already mentioned uh, another thing I want in every episode, putting our guests behind way too small furniture <laughs> and taking photos of them. <laughs> and um, finally, accordion and swimming talk. Uh, apparently, we're going swimming. We've been talked. We've been shamed, not talked, shamed into it.
3: Yes. Although he says if I bring my wetsuit, I'm a dilettante. So I don't know. I still might be a dilettante and bring that wetsuit.
2: Yeah. So um, a lot of fun in this episode. I was thinking as we ended it, we have to have him on again. And then I realized we are having him on again. (laughs) Total SF Book Club. This is a promotion for our Total SF Book Club, which is coming up in about a month.
3: Yes. So in case um, listeners are not aware, we recently partnered with Green Apple and the San Francisco Public Library for a quarterly Total SF Book Club, um, choosing books written by authors from San Francisco or about San Francisco, um, and... Our summer pick is The End of the Golden Gate, which is essays by local writers about how they chose to stay in San Francisco or leave it. And on August 24th, the library is hosting us with Gary Camilla and Daniel Handler, two contributors to the book. So sign up um, on the library's events page, August 24th, 7 p.m.
2: Yeah, it's on the San Francisco Public Library event page. Um, and this is going to be super fun. It's a virtual event. It's going to be our last virtual event.
3: No but, more virtual events.
2: Yeah, it's it's our last one with with this book club. But it's still going to be a ton of fun. Um, we're hoping to get some accordion music in there. <laughs> maybe. Daniel
3: Handler did promise to bring his accordion. <laughs>
2: he did. It, it's it, it was a promise. Um, Norton Itzit will be there virtually, and we'll have our our uh, drinks with Nick. We're going to have a themed drink again. Um, look for that on our Twitter feed. I know some people are getting tired of virtual events. If you're going to do one more, make this your last virtual event, and then just burn your computer. It's all yeah. over.
3: Who needs it anymore? I did not know Norton was a member of our book club.
2: Norton needs it. Yeah, he is a member of our book club. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, he will be behind me at some point during the uh, proceedings.
3: With your son, Theo, being paid a dollar a minute.
2: Yeah, um, I think it's gone up to $1.50 now. But oh, um, wow. yeah, inflation, minimum wage is going up. <laughs> uh, one more event. We got a- another event even before that. We're a- about a week away from our Total SF movie night. And um, that's on July 15th at the Balboa Theater in San Francisco. San Andreas, Heather, and I think I have you excited about it.
3: Yes, I've never seen it. This I think this is the first movie night we've had where I've not seen the movie before. So I am excited. I'm a big fan of The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Our bagpiper will be there. Norton, of course, will be there. Pre-party in the parklet outside at 5. Watch the movie inside with a beer, popcorn, and an it's it at 7.00. And it'll be super fun.
2: Yeah, the pre party is going to be great. I mean, they're going to be selling merchandise and beer and it sits out there. You can get food and come by. You don't need to drink. Um, but we're going to have a good time beforehand. And I'm just really excited for this movie. If you're on the fence, I, I can guarantee you, you're going to have a good time um, being around people again. I think it's going to feel really good. So, again, tickets at www.cinemasf.com. Woohoo! Woohoo! Well, Daniel Handler is coming up in the philosophy nook with green apple announcements. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight, and this is Total SF. Thank
1: you very much.
3: Daniel Handler, welcome to our Total SF podcast Thank and the you. philosophy nook at Green Apple Books.
0: It is my delight to be here eyeing all of the philosophy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you are sitting under the used philosophy sign
0: as yeah. we speak. One can presume that they people read the philosophy and then it was it completely transformed their life and they were in no need of any further encouragement. And so then they sold it back.
3: Yes. Well, there's a lot to buy if anybody's in the market.
0: Yeah, it's reasonably priced, too.
3: I've never been in this nook, but I was wondering, you grew up in the city. Do you remember your first time visiting Green Apple Books, and how often are you here?
0: Um, I could not possibly remember my first time. I was, I don't remember a time when I was not aware of Green Apple Books. Yeah. Um, and this is my second visit this week, and it's Wednesday. Oh, wow.
3: So, <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah,
0: pretty often is <laughs> <laughs> when I'm here.
3: You're home away from home.
0: Uh yeah I mean it's been responsible for my education in some degree um since I was young. Yeah. And um it was when I was young it was the cheapest bookstore. Oh. So then you could really if you you know were subsisting on an allowance. <laughs> <laughs> and by subsisting I mean not paying for food, clothing, shelter <laughs> or any other necessity. Then um then you could come here and get, you know, the master and margarita and the rainbow for really cheap awesome yeah
2: i love the fact that for my life i could not on this piece of paper in front of me draw a floor plan and i've been here hundreds of times it's like the old steinhardt aquarium it's just like you kind of make a turn and you're like oh, i've never been here before
0: yeah um this the the room where we're in is a frequent uh a mishap for me. And um, and then it's a reminder. I think, gosh, I haven't read a good book of philosophy in some time. Let's look at them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then do you buy one?
0: Sometimes, yeah. 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 I it, One of my few um, ethics in life is that you can't enter an uh, independent bookstore and leave without buying something. I, I think totally that's a agree. sin. Yes. So uh, whenever I'm doing an event, I make sure that the audience knows that. They don't have to buy my book if they don't want to, but they have to buy something.
3: That's a great, yeah. great piece of philosophy.
0: There you go. I, I love a little twist on this podcast, too, is that
2: this is open to the public right now. So, And we'll, we'll share a photo, but um, you are on a microphone in the corner, um, and anybody can walk in and just buy a philosophy book. And Daniel Handler will be sitting there <laughs> on this yeah. little
0: desk. I don't know what the morning philosophy crowd is in the <laughs> Richmond <laughs> Someone woke up this morning and was like, gosh, where's that Walter Benjamin? Have I lost it? What time is it? Is Green Apple open?
2: (laughs) Well, you're you're a San Francisco native. Um, Do you have a first San Francisco memory? Not not necessarily your first memory, but your first San Francisco memory.
0: I mean, I guess it depends what you mean. But um, I remember that the first time I went to Boston, I that in my head Boston was gonna be like San Francisco because they were also, I don't know, small cities and by the water and whatever. And having a new appreciation for the uniqueness of San Francisco. Mm. So I definitely spent kind of my adolescence and, and um, even kind of college years and early 20s saying like, a medium sized city is what I like to, I like to live in a medium sized city like San Francisco. And it's like, yeah, well visit Pittsburgh for a little bit and then decide <laughs> if you can live in any medium sized city. Um, nothing personal to Pittsburgh, but yeah. just it's, but I think it was a slow process of learning how unique it was. Mm-hmm. It was a slow process of um, having people visit and visiting other places you know, and having people say, like, this is the most beautiful place that I've ever stood on in my life and have it be like a fairly nondescript hill Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. It happened to me last night. A friend is um, in from out of town and we walked near my house to Corona Heights, which is like kind of no one's favorite park Mm -hmm. in San Francisco, I would say. And it's spectacular. And she was like, oh, my God, you live near here. You know Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that's true. I should appreciate that more when I'm Walking my dog. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Isn't that the hill where the gingerbread monolith was built over Christmas? Do you remember that?
0: I'm not aware of the Did gingerbread you miss monolith. The gingerbread monolith. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is San this Francisco. Is the ways history. of Gentiles are often strange to me, so this could be <laughs> the explanation. But
3: right around Christmas, somebody constructed out of gingerbread this really tall, like over six or seven feet. Like tower a 2001
0: there. Space Odyssey kind mm-hmm. of monolith. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Wow.
3: And then everyone went to visit it, and then dogs started having. We're yeah, and it crumbled overnight. But it was quite the San Francisco.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, I missed that. <laughs> I was right here. I wasn't, I wasn't anywhere. You you
2: lived in other places. You lived in New York for a while. Um, what what kept bringing? <laughs> that was you... the
0: list of other places I lived. Well, you, you, you went to college. Uh, you went I did. To I college. went to college on the East Coast too.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Was there ever a thought of, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be, even, even as an author, you know, strategically, like, I'm going to live somewhere else, and kind of what brought you back here?
0: Well, um, I married a New England woman, so certainly when we moved together to um, New York, that she's from a family where you live in Manhattan, and until you have a child, and then you move to Long Island, or if you're a rebel, Connecticut, um, and so that's kind of what I thought was maybe going to happen. But um, but also I did a really, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big propagandist from San Francisco too. So when she and I were first dating, we spent a summer here and um, I pretended that every spectacular thing I took her to was like a thing I'd stumbled upon. You know, like, <laughs> oh, I'm hungry. Let's have some dumplings right here. We're like, could you use a little pick me up? Let's like just stop by Cafe Trieste. <laughs> we'll have an espresso. No big thing. I go here sometimes, you know. And so everything was like the most spectacular version. And then I just kept saying like, I'll live anywhere. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh look! Yeah. There's uh, Paul Cantner from Jefferson uh, Airplane. Yeah, he what a seems surprise. to be enjoying
0: the, you know, ginger <laughs> salad at Mandalay Burmese restaurant. But I'll live any place, anywhere where there's great Burmese food is fine with me. Um, and and when I and then when we lived in New York, we knew pretty instantaneously that we would leave when we could.
3: Um, going back to your childhood in the city, yeah, did you read a lot? And what were your favorite kids books?
0: Uh, I read a ton. I read a lot of uh, the Bay Area Zone, Zilpha Keatley Snyder. Um, I read a lot of Roald Dahl. It will surprise no one to hear. I I read a lot of uh, Beverly Cleary. Um, But I had just like a fantastic few librarians at the West Portal branch Mm. who just put things in my hands all the time. Mm -hmm. A lot of which I don't remember because Mm -hmm. when you're a kid, particularly then, now there's more media about children's literature and I think young people are more kind of attuned to that, but at the time I didn't know anything about, I just liked reading them. Mm-hmm. And they were great, they put books in my hands and then they kind of led me to the adult section when it was time to graduate from the children's section.
3: Did you grow up in West Portal?
0: Uh, near West Portal, uh-huh. yeah.
3: Cool. And what was your favorite local bookstore? Was it this one or did you go to
1: other?
0: There was that? a local bookstore in the, in the Stones Town, it was before it was the Galleria, there was a local bookstore in Stonestown huh. that I went to. Um, but I came here a lot. Um, my father took me to City Lights. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't I mean, they're all I still don't have a favorite I just, just there's ones that I frequent more often, mm-hmm. but that's more a logistic and convenient yeah. issue. But um yeah, I mean I'm um I'm a heavy, heavy visitor of bookstores. Nice. Previously the only thing that kind of prevented me buying as many books as I wanted was a financial limit that was Mine when I was young, and that by you know of strange quirk of fate has been removed. And so now, <laughs> You're not subsisting on an allowance. Yeah, all. well now it's just like if it feels like if I'm immune to heroin addiction, <laughs> how much heroin can I take? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I'm here this morning. I won't leave without buying a book, and I'm meeting a friend later this afternoon at City Lights. So. <laughs> <laughs> I should just tell my credit card company now. So they say, gosh, it really looks like fraud. He <laughs> visits two bookstores in a day.
2: Well, we're, we're doing a horrible job of uh, promoting our book club and our book club pick, The End of the Golden Gate. And um, you contribute an essay. Uh, and you're comparing your 20-year marriage to Lisa Brown, uh, to your longtime love of San Francisco in the book, ties into the themes of your 2019 book, Bottle Grove. You conclude with a couple of great lines. I'm gonna read them. I'm more excited about my new book than old work and I'm eager to see what will happen in my city rather than yearning for how it was. I wanna stay here another 20 years at least, married to Lisa Brown, watching all this and writing it down. Why are you so optimistic about San Francisco and committing to it when a lot of people
0: are doing the opposite right now? I think I've been here because I've been here for so long that um, I hear a lot of complaint about things that have happened with San Francisco that use a relatively recent arrival as a starting point. And so I don't mean to um, downgrade serious worries about what is happening in the city, for sure. Um, But I think in terms of kind of the everyday griping about San Francisco among locals tends to be, you know, this perfect place that was right near my place that was here three years ago when I moved is now closed. (laughs) Like the whole city, everything's terrible. And I think, um, and so I think, you know, with issues of inequality and um, uh, 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 schooling and policing and homelessness and really large issues occupy my worries. But the kind of everyday change of the personality of the city, I feel waxes and wanes. And so I think just because I've been here for so long, that so many places have the ghost of what used to be there and what was there before that, and what was there before that. And, um, so I think I, I feel more like a bystander than someone who's trying to fight against the general flow of how things go.
2: Yeah. It, it, I miss things too, but there are new things that show up that I love. And we, we get a little bit of blowback cause, when Heather and I do stuff together, Heather writes very serious articles and explores some of the biggest issues of the city. When we're together, we're celebrating the city. We use the word celebrate now, which journalists, you know, that, that was hard for a while, but I don't feel apologetic for it because I feel like I'm counter-programming this idea that, um, oh, it's all over, golden era is done. And it's like, there have been, there, we're always looking in the rearview mirror and saying the golden era is done.
0: And kind of, you know, going through life, you have to have a certain amount of commitment to joy and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many people in this city who are not complaining about what seems like the most obvious things to complain about. But I don't have a lot of patience for that. But And you could just say that over, you know, every day you want to celebrate something. It's someone's worst day and there's great suffering someplace, you know, and we're not going to like refuse to enjoy our dim sum until there's peace and justice throughout the whole <laughs> land <laughs> so well some things.
3: people want you to do that yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but then you know that they go they order the dim sum and they eat it at home while watching a sitcom and they're happy as clams yeah. <laughs> so i can't
3: <laughs> yeah literally every time i post a picture on twitter of our adventures like we're on like a beautiful hilltop like you described or corona heights yeah, we been there an yeah. amazing bookstore somebody inevitably says go to the tenderloin and put a picture of that there and like I go there a lot. That doesn't mean we can only talk about it. Yeah,
0: well, that's just the like profile of online life. Yeah, right. Is that you? So many people's feeds. You look at it, and half of it is how can this person enjoy this thing while this horrible thing is going on, and the other half is like, mm, I love grape soda.
2: You know?
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's a very nuanced discussion. Yeah. <laughs> oh. forty
2: one. No rush. Jeff forty one. Thanks. I'm leaving that in. Yeah. You uh, I'm that not in. editing that out of the podcast. Yeah, there's no rush. There's no rush. <laughs> That's what we're going to play right before we go to our break. Yeah. We'll, we'll play that right there.
0: <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, I had an instinctive, like, no rush. I'm not paying attention yeah. to that then. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we'll be right back after this short break. Well, nothing but bad segues in this podcast. Um, I, I want to talk about swimming. Because okay. I, I listened to your um, City Arts and Lectures with your sister. Yeah. And uh, Rebecca Handler. And um, it was uh, about swimming in aquatic park. That's something new that you and your sister did. Can you, number one, tell us how that started? And number two... Just sell us because we've been flirting with the idea of swimming in the ocean. Oh, god, I mean, come on,
0: this is your gig, you have to do that. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: um, yeah, I'm not gonna sell, I'm gonna shame you into it. <laughs> That's how my people do things. <laughs> um, well, it came a little bit out of grief. My father died, and um, my sister and I, um, Discovered that we both had a secret hankering always to to try swimming in the bay, and um, I was swimming laps uh, at the JCC pool as I was doing then pretty regularly, and there was something about my father dying and then knowing that there was this other possibility, and I got out, I swam my last lap, and I thought, what am I waiting for? I want to do this thing. It's available to me. I'm going to go and do it. And previously, I'd said oh, I bet it's really cold, and it's so far away from where I live, and it's going to be like a whole thing. And then I thought, that is the worst excuse for not swimming in the ocean that I've ever heard in my life. And so uh, my sister and I took a a class that the Dolphin Club offered, which was a hilarious class, which basically consisted of, like, this is what a towel is, and remember (laughs) to eat, and like have a warm beverage with you. And then we got into the water, and I loved it instantly. It was really, really cold. No, wetsuits are frowned upon at the Dolphin oh my Club. Gosh. They're the sign of a dilettante <laughs> and a weakling. Um, and so you wear a little, you wear a little cap um, and a suit. Some people wear wetsuits, but not very many. And um, I mean, it's very hard to talk about without sounding like a damn hippie. But you know, you're <laughs> swimming in the in the thing that the planet is mostly made of, and you feel in touch with something enormous. And then also. Um, You particularly when it's quite cold, you have to leave your head a little bit. You can't really think about stuff Mm because you're you gotta do it, and um, and then you get out and you go into this beautiful wooden WPA building and you sit in the sauna uh, and you get warm and it's I mean it's now it's an irreplaceable part of my life for sure. And when the club, of course, shut down for COVID and it felt like it was going to be the last thing that was open. You know, I just felt like a sauna full of old guys is like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's got to be that the last <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, and so my sister and I bought a little wacky uh, device that pressurizes hot water so that we could kind of spray each other as we got out of the water, and we changed in our cars, and um, and we kept swimming all through the, wow. the How pandemic. How often do you do that? I do it most mornings wow yeah
3: your life sounds good swimming in the bay and going to bookstores
0: it's a pretty good life I don't I'm not a, a I don't have a great basis for complaint <laughs> which isn't to say I never complain but yeah I mean I um I mean i I never thought my life would be as magical as it is for Aww. sure well
2: I, I exercise with headphones on like this morning and what I realize about swimming is getting in the situation I don't have I, I'm gonna be alone with my own thoughts for the first time in a long time, certainly exercising, which is kind of scary to me.
0: Yeah. um, It's it's it's, probably a good place for me to be. I mean, it is a kind of spiritual experience. I don't think you can get around kind of being confronted with your own self and your own body and your own mind when you're doing it, which is pretty magical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you have hit the nail on the head of why I don't really... Get to hear a lot of podcasts because I'm self-employed, so I have no commute, and then I exercise in the water, and so I don't have these big spaces of time where everyone else is listening to stuff. Yeah. I just have to fake it. Oh yeah, no, I heard that's good. I haven't heard that one yet, but I heard <laughs> <and> it's good. <laughs> well, well our, we our...
3: recommend Total SF as your entree into podcasts.
0: Yeah, yeah. there we go. Uh, well, whenever I listen to one, I like it, but I don't. I don't. You know, I don't have any. I don't have to go to Emeryville Monday through Friday. And then I don't, I'm not on a treadmill or something.
3: That's also lucky.
2: Well, our our next book is Why We Swim After End of the Mm Golden Gate. That's a good one. So I think we're going to, that's going to be like getting us in the water. So hope to see you there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, you guys should come. I don't know. Yeah, you have to. I don't know why you wouldn't. That seems. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's so, but those clubs are so classically old school San Franciscan too. I mean, that was part of it, is that um, for the first 40 years of my life, I probably was by Ghirardelli Square eight times, and now I'm there almost every day. Wow. And yep. um, oh, we
3: have another announcement. Kevin
0: line Kevin line, line? Oh, line oh, one. Kevin line one. You know that Kevin, he's always on line two. <laughs> so, come on, Kevin. Get in your line. Switch over. <laughs>
3: so you attended San Francisco public schools growing up. I and did. If Wikipedia is correct, which, you know, it always is, it was Sloat Elementary, Hoover Middle School, and Lowell High. That's right. That's right. And you're also a public school parent. I am. Yes. Um, And the city school district and school board got international attention over the past 15 months for all the wrong reasons, and I was wondering what you think of the current state of affairs in the San Francisco public schools.
0: It's been really tough. Um, I think that... um, yeah, I I think that it's hard to picture that in this last year, if you're a cognitive and thinking person, that you wouldn't be concerned about issues of equity and race and class everywhere, and but certainly in San Francisco, if that's your job. And um, I can't blame the school board for wanting to make some changes along those lines. Um, I think it was really hard to hear that those changes were happening in the way that they were happening um when schools were closed Mm -hmm. because the greatest inequity issue over education right now seems to be that um if say you're the son of a successful author you are in like a nice quiet space on reliable internet getting Mm -hmm. an education and getting a bunch of uh, you know supplementary adventures and culture that your parents are able to provide, and Mm -hmm. many, many people had none of those things going on for a full school year. Mm -hmm. For more than a full school year. And um, that seems to me the crucial issue of it. Um, And yeah, it's been really tough. It's been hard. I think um, the, I think all of us, certainly in San Francisco, I think probably all over the country, but I think in San Francisco, the kind of learning the limits of government for a lot of people, learning how exactly it works, who's in charge of what, who's doing it, who's requiring that someone else do something, all this stuff for essential services like education, I think people were learning for the first time. Mm -hmm. And um, I think there was a lot of goodwill at the beginning of the pandemic for everyone. Yeah. And, as anyone ever knows who's intruded on someone else's goodwill, you you gotta that sours pretty quick. You gotta mm-hmm. you gotta extend the goodwill with the same uh enthusiasm that you took the goodwill from others. Mm-hmm. So right. I think That's that got squandered too.
2: Yeah. You you've traveled all over the world. Um, you know, are the are the gripes that people have in Paris, um, in other parts of the world the same? as the gripes that they have about san francisco i mean people in san francisco have about san francisco
0: oh is for this, sure is this something i mean i don't think you can travel to any corner of the world without getting the feeling that it, it was good you've you, it was just ruined you've just arrived a little <laughs> too you late just got here. yeah it's just crumbling now you can see the last traces of what was magical
3: well you've survived our serious questions and now it's time for our famous lightning round
0: okay i'm ready.
2: Okay. Um, Heather, one thing? Yeah.
0: Uh, stiff drink is not on there.
2: And oh, I think we definitely, we definitely need to, need that to on ask the stiff drink.
0: Last... It's a little early for you, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave that in too.
3: <laughs> Where is your favorite place to get a burrito?
0: I'm going to say El Toro. But, you what's, know. What's your order there and what, what's
2: special about El Toro?
0: Um. My order in general always is a, is a super veggie burrito. Black beans and not super, not um, I don't like it when there's actual veggies in the veggie burrito.
3: <laughs> veggie burrito, hold yeah. the veggies.
0: <laughs> I like the beans in there. Well, I'm in like avocado. There's those there's veggies that are in there, but sometimes you're like bite into like a zucchini and I think, like, oh, what's no. going on in the world? Yeah. <laughs> Someone brought me one recently. They said, well, I'm getting burritos. And I said, oh, I'd love a veggie one. And they brought it and it had tofu in it. Oh,
1: oh man had be like legal? you're so
0: nice for getting me a burrito but i'm going to kill you now <laughs> <laughs> uh and i guess i just like the vibe at el toro but i mean i like there's uh, any kind of non-corporate feeling mexican place is fine with me yeah if there's like a logo that's been worked on then i'm suspicious of it <laughs>
3: <laughs> what is your favorite movie filmed in san francisco
0: I'm gonna remember, I'm gonna think of like a cooler one. Twenty minutes later, this is the opposite of a lightning round. I realized this, <laughs> this is the slug round. Um, I'm. I mean, I'm gonna have to go Virgo. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's
3: a popular choice.
0: Yeah, I live right near um, its apartments now, and it was once a hospital, and it is used as the mental hospital in mm-hmm. Vertigo, where mm-hmm. Barbara Del Geddes walks out of the movie, basically, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorite. Moments in cinema where she says, "Like, yeah, I'm, I'm all done," and you don't see her gun. She walks down this long hallway that they filmed on location, and she's out of the movie, <laughs> which you don't see yeah. except in death. You don't see characters; don't walk major characters don't walk out of movies much. Yeah, and one of my novels stole that from the structure because it, at the end of the first half of Vertigo, you do not know what is going to happen next.
2: Sarah,
1: Thirty-one, please, Sarah. Thirty-one, Sarah. Thirty-one. Sarah,
2: 31. I, I love that in this question, when Heather asks about movies, if it's a politician, they have that added thing where it's going through their head. What answer is the right answer that's going to get me the most votes among senior citizens in District 3? Right. You know, So there's a longer pause there. Right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, I have a fictional movie that my friend and I talk about because we were at a political meeting many, many years ago, and somebody said, I'm not sure how this is going to play with the blue-haired ladies of the sunset. And then a, there was a bunch of people from out of town who were like, who are the blue-haired <laughs> ladies of the sunset? I think they pictured like some kind of mutant motorcycle gang, and then I was like, "Oh, that would be a great movie." Like the blue-haired way. ladies of the sunset. It'd be a
2: great name for a band like playing at bottom of the hill. Like, yeah, like this, like the third band on the list. Yeah,
0: I wonder what the blue-haired. I can't spell it out. B H L O T S doesn't really spell anything. Would yeah. be nice if it did.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> so um, thanks for the reminder. Where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink?
0: Zam Zam. Good choice. Yeah.
3: What was your first concert?
0: Um, I'm assuming we're not talking about like the San Francisco Symphony. That was definitely my real first concert. <laughs> but if we're talking about the wonders of pop music, Probably. it would be Men at Work with "Mental as Anything" opening for them at the uh, Greek. Oh, fun! Wow, I love the good Greek one. Yeah,
2: good
3: one. What was the last book you read?
0: Uh the uh, old child by Jenny Urbanek.
3: Besides yourself, who is your favorite San Francisco writer?
0: <laughs> Besides myself?
3: Implying that. I am your regret <laughs>
0: rejecting the premise of that question. Besides myself. <laughs> Who's contributed the most in society? Besides you, of course. <laughs> It's like all the people who secretly voted themselves most popular in high school. I think I am. I am. <laughs> I mean, I like me, so. Um, well, are we talking about the quality of tax? This is a, it's another tough one. I mean, I would have to say, uh, like, Gertrude Stein, if, if, I, if San Francisco can claim her, which is a little iffy, mm. but I would, but... I would say Gertrude Stein, in terms of someone who I just love, and I love that they came from here, and things like that. But then, um, Andrew Sean Greer is one of my best friends in the world, so he I, in fact, just texted him before I entered this bookstore. So so he's like my favorite. Is he the one
3: you're meeting at the bookstore later?
0: No, he's in Italy right now. Um. But I took a picture of uh, a thing I had for breakfast at Ashley's Cafe, which he likes to.
3: Cool.
0: um, And said, miss you.
3: Aww you've played the accordion for decades and I read somewhere that you picked up the instrument to pick up women um, what is your best song on the accordion
0: well it, I would say what I wanted to be in a band and I had and I was uh, I had taken piano lessons in my life and I had played like keyboards in like high school jazz band and stuff but when I was in college I wanted to be in a band and it was this weird moment in the late 80s where keyboards were not cool at all because Everything had to be authentic, man. And <laughs> keyboards are fake. Um, and so I picked... So, yeah. So I bought myself an accordion. And the first band I was in was like very... We wanted to sound like cowboy junkies. Um, so then I... So then the joke is that because you would only be in a band to pick up women, you would join. Yeah. So it wasn't like I said. You know what ladies love? <laughs> but I am married now. So it worked. Um, I bought it at Colombo Brothers Accordion Company, which used to be in Marin. And... Oh, my best song! I do a pretty good version of When Doves Cry.
1: Wow! Oh, wow!
0: Yeah, which is also um, a, an easy song in my arrangement. An easy song to learn. So a few times when I've been like on a radio show or something, something whether it's a band on stage or something like that, I can we can do it like without rehearsing. Wow! I can just say these are the chords go, and so that's a pretty good. That's like a good thing to have in your pocket.
2: Yeah, I think we still have a virtual event coming up. We but did. I, how, how awesome would it be if when people are getting seated or turning on their Zoom or whatever, they're just hearing an accordion version of Windows Cry coming what in? What are you saying?
0: Be... Um, well, how much does something like that pay? I, mean, I, mean... <laughs> I buy you a book at Green Apple. <laughs> I'm just striking justice for all musicians everywhere. I want everyone to understand that I'm in solidarity with them. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm in. There's probably a few YouTubes of me doing When Doves Cry. And also, it's a, um, it's a surprising uh, song to come out of an accordion. And um, sometimes you can start it, and because the you're not expecting it, it'll take you a little bit to figure out what it is that I'm singing. So nice. Okay. Yeah.
3: By the way, everybody, you can still sign up for our August 24th virtual event with the library, during which Daniel Handler will play When Doves Cry. On the <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and Heather will belly dance? <laughs> <laughs> no.
3: That would not happen. Yeah. <laughs> if you could lay wave... Peter
0: said something about bird invitations. I didn't hear the whole thing, but it's going to be quite an evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you can't drag me into playing Prince if I can't drag you into playing Prince. We have it recorded
3: now. You said yes. Um, I read that you created the name Lemony Snicket before writing a series of unfortunate events so you could use um, the name to get your own name off of mailing lists.
0: Yeah, I was on the phone with a right-wing political organization. I was doing research for my novel The Basic Eight, which takes place at a fictional version of Lowell, and uh, I, I wanted them to send me some material, but I was worried about being on their mailing list, so that was the name that I blurted out. And then some friends of mine got me some business cards that said Lemony Snicket. And, um, and so that was a big, we would go to, um, Latin American social club and Dr. Bombay's and Zam Zam. And I would give them out to people. (laughs) Um, and I would uh, write cranky letters to like the, uh, Knob Hill (laughs) Gazette. Gazette and the Parkside Express and other local newspapers. That was a big thing. I was always trying to get the name in print. Yeah. But, and it never worked, but I, you know, and I would write furious letters to the editor that I'm sure I don't have to for mine, journalists, <laughs>
1: you never get
3: that. I
0: would, you know, I would look, I would find the most harmless article in these newspapers, and it was never the Chronicle or anything like that. It was always the tiny little newspapers. I'd find the most harmless article, and then I would write an enraged letter about some <laughs> detail in it. And the rule was that they all started with the sentence "How dare you," <laughs> <laughs> and then they ended with lemony snicket. <laughs>
3: Did you learn this from Quentin Cop?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I, I knew quite a few journalists over the years. And um, I've, and maybe this is more of a San Francisco thing, and I don't know, but there's something about the mix of a steadfast public commitment and a complete eye-rolling attitude towards almost every member of the public. And <laughs> I feel every good reporter has, <laughs> Where they're like, "I'm here for every single person. Do not call me on the goddamn phone. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you." <laughs> Heather and I are now having this like
2: we're like oh my god is Quentin Cop and all these letters we've been getting the swirly cursive thing just like performance art maybe maybe that's not his real name oh boy rabbit hole
3: if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about San Francisco what would it be
0: This really is like one of those questions where you have to choose between selfishness and social justice, right? Yeah. <laughs> Financial equity for all, but also <laughs> like Tom King clothes. So we, don't, we want that place open. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to the magic wand. I just, okay. I don't know. I'd give the magic wand to someone more trustworthy.
3: <laughs> What's your perfect day in San Francisco? Ooh. Attention, green
2: apple and boys. We have a box moving party for the front tour. I should go help them with that box. <laughs> box moving party. Party. That sounds like
0: fun, a box moving yeah. party. Well, you're new here. Yeah. <laughs> it's a party, everyone. Yeah, it's how your friends get you to move. I'll buy you a pizza. Pizza? You're like, Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm a grown man. I don't need pizza. <laughs> box moving party? I get paid for this? Yeah. <laughs> I get paid to party. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. What was the question I forgot?
3: <laughs> What's your perfect day in San Francisco, not counting a box moving party?
0: Yeah, that would have to be the best. <laughs> um, I mean, swimming in the morning. I mean, it's kind of days that I get a lot. Swimming in the morning. I like, there's some good cafes that I like to work in. I'm not going to name them because they're good to work in, and I don't, then people take them over when I mm-hmm. talk about them. Mm-hmm. Um... And maybe a good bon me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. Yeah, a walk someplace to see something pretty. Um, a drink at Zam Zam. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a good. I'm trying to think of what I have for dinner. Maybe just like Porto Alegre. Get like mm. some good enchiladas. And then I would say like a 10:30 um, showing of a Val Lewton movie at the Castro. That'd be great.
2: Sounds nice. fun. It Sounds fun. Yeah
0: see you there
3: (laughs) (laughs) last question what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day
0: reading I guess yeah I'm gonna yeah I always make sure there's not a day goes by when I don't read something Mm -hmm. that is literature and good for me cool so yeah well
3: then it was great we met here
0: yeah exactly it's good to get it out early then, I, then the rest of the day I can just wander around watching TV
3: <laughs> well thank you so much it was really fun to talk to you you may be thank the funniest you. guest we have had on Total S
0: see you at the event can't wait for the belly dancing that's gonna be so awesome <laughs> when does cry
3: on the accordion
0: book, book moving party we're
2: adding a book moving yeah. party
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you all literary events should be a book moving party people should be buying them yes, yes. thank you
2: You are listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you to Heather Knight. Our music is The Tide Will Rise by the Sunset Shipwrecks off their album Community and Cable Car Bell Ringing by eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it and consider getting a digital Chronicle edition It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com pod.